You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to another episode of the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine. Guys, on today's show, we're going to tackle a grab bag of NBA questions. We're going to talk about Al Horford. We're going to talk about the Lakers. Even a little bit of uh, our old friend Markel Fultz. I guess we can call him. Can we call him our old friend? The Celtics almost drafted him for a hot second. But first, we're going to ask you to please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you listen. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter. That's at WinningPlaysPod. A shout out to CLNS Media for hosting this show. And as always, BetOnline.ag for being the best sponsor we've ever had. Uh, Mike and B-Rob, how are you guys doing? Doing good, man. How are you? Pretty good. Um, should we start with trivia, as always? Perfect. Okay, I, I like to head a little bit to, to opening night because, I don't know, preseason is already kind of boring. But... Um, <laughs> Do you know that the, the Celtics have never opened a season in Philly in NBA history? No. How bizarre is that? That is pretty bizarre given how far back those teams go. I know. They did. In, in 1948, when it was the Basketball Association of America, the Celtics opened up against the Philadelphia Warriors. But this will be the, uh, the first time uh, in NBA history that they've opened a season in Philly, which is crazy. But on uh, November 3rd, 2004, so that's like 15 years ago, uh, opening night, this is Doc Rivers' first game as head coach of the Celtics, the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers were in Boston to open the season. And I would like you guys, we can go around one for one, to name me the starting five for the for the Boston Celtics uh, opening night 2004, Doc Rivers' first game as head coach of the Celtics. B-Rob, you can go first. I'll give you the easy one. Uh, Paul Pierce. Got it. Pina, you got a guess? Number two? Uh, Vin Baker? Not a bad guess, but no. Sweet. You're up. <laughs> Ray LaFrance. Rafe LaFrance. Well, I'll give you I'll give you partial credit for that one. So yes, that's two. Rafe LaFrance was the second starter. Oh, um, um, Ricky Davis. Ricky Davis was also starting for the Celtics that night. That's three okay. out of five. This is impressive. Mm. Two more, and I hint one of them is a Hall of Famer. Ooh. Uh, GP Gary, Gary Payton. Yeah. Gary Payton started a point guard uh, for the Celtics. Had six points and eight assists. Uh, right. And then the so, starting center. Well, I guess wait, Rafe, yeah, yeah. Rafe was 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 four. You talk about how the games changed. Rafe was started at four that that game. The starting center was who? He played thirty eight oh. minutes, twelve played, and eight. Played thirty eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not Tony Batie. No, he's worse than Tony Batie. Yeah. Mark Blunt. There you go. Oh yeah. <laughs> fresh yeah. off his fresh off his extension, probably too. Yeah, exactly. That was impressive, guys. I'll never forget that contract. It's just <laughs> it's etched into my brain. And the leading the leading leading minute getter off the bench for the Celtics was Mr. Yuri Welsh. And uh and Tom Gugliotta played eleven minutes for the Celtics, mm, which I wanted to put Yuri in the starting five. <laughs> um all right. So I feel like we're nice and warm. Do we want to? Uh, I think B Rob, you're gonna you're gonna kick us off today with. We're just gonna ask some some general questions. We're get, we're just getting getting loose with the start of another season. Uh, I know you guys hit on hit on the preseason last episode uh, with the the debut against the Hornets, and then there's another game. We're recording this on Thursday, and uh, on Friday night, who are the Celtics playing in their second preseason game? Orlando. Ooh, well, we'll we're gonna get to that a little bit too. Uh, but for now, let's just talk some general NBA. Uh, you want to kick us off, B Rob? Yeah, so this kind of times I will the the Philly theme that you talked about, uh, Rich and trivia. Uh, Al Horford made his um, not his first comments about leaving Boston, but uh, the Steve Alpetta of the Boston Herald went down to uh, Jersey and kind of got him to open up a bit about his departure um, this summer and picking the Sixers. So I thought that uh, you know. It was a lot of the same old stuff, but I think there are a couple interesting comments in there that are worth unpacking. One is the his comments about Kyrie and that situation going into his free agency. And so this is Al talking, quote, 
we all kind of felt that Kyrie was going to leave. It was like, maybe he'll stay, but then it was like, nah, he's probably going to leave just based on how everything was. Um, and then Al goes on to kind of talk about the issues that, you know, were with last year's team. And even if Kyrie was going to come back, Al said, quote, there would have had to been some major changes as far as players, because it was just clear that that group that we had just wasn't going to be able to coexist. Um... So I guess my question for you guys on this, first of all, was like, I mean, we talk about the the Kyrie effect, you know, just just how much his situation, you know, forget about setting back the franchise from just his standpoint, but just in terms of just like, you know, he wasn't obviously the only factor in play, but just how much the, the water was poisoned essentially by <laughs> um, how this all went down last year for everyone on the team. From a free agent perspective, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting in the sense that, like you said, like if Kyrie stayed, other people were going to have to go, and I don't, and who knows who the, what what that means? I assume it means Jalen. Um, I, I don't know about Tatum. Maybe it means Hayward. I have no idea. But what I find interesting is that, like, when you look at it now, I feel like the this year's Seventy Sixers are going to be a lot closer to last year's Celtics than this year's Celtics will be. You know what I mean? Between how do you mean? I just I just mean between the maturity of Simmons and Embiid, I just think the the, the expectations now in Philly of, of where they they are championship or bust. Um, I just think a lot of the things that he tried to escape are is what he's kind of ended up with in Philly. Where as now in Boston, it's more of the uh, the more copacetic kumbaya kind of. I mean, we'll see. It's a long season. Obviously, it hasn't even started yet. But I think some of the some of the piece that maybe he was looking for in terms of chemistry and what's going on behind the scenes is going to exist in Boston, whereas it's going to be a lot rougher in Philly as as guys deal with, like I said, the expectations. As we still don't know how Embiid's going to handle the whole season, we don't know what's going on with Simmons in the shooting. We don't know how they're going to get the ball to, to Tobias uh, enough shots for everybody. So I just think I think it's going to be uh, as tricky in Philly as maybe it was in Boston last year. I think the biggest difference there is financially. So you have Tobias Harris. He gets his five-year max deal. He's paid. He's happy. You have Ben Simmons just got his five-year max extension. He's paid. He's happy. And you have Joel Embiid, who's been on a max contract. Um, and so that, I think that's one difference because obviously the Celtics last year, you were some guys were, you know, they're playing not necessarily for contracts per se. I mean, Terry Rozier wasn't a contract year. But they're also, you know, playing to prove themselves in the NBA, whereas in Philadelphia, you know, Joel Embiid is already a top 10, maybe even higher, top 7, top 6 player in the world. At his best, he's even higher than that, probably. And, I mean, Simmons obviously has his issues, but I I just generally think looking at it, I I don't know if they'll be as, as, it'll be as problematic as it was with you know, Kyrie being a little condescending publicly with his younger teammates and uh, just being a more mercurial personality. Um, that's just my, my my read on it. I could see it blowing up, but actually I could not see it blowing up like it did with the Celtics. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, so I think that's that's one of the bigger differences. And so I don't, I don't know there, but I think the, the looking at the Bullpets piece, the comments that that really stood out to me was what he said about Kemba and how, how he wasn't going to go. He didn't want to look in the past and how, if he knew Kemba was there, that I think he hinted that that might change things. Is that basically yeah. my read? Yeah. So this is, this is definitely worth talking about too. We've, we've gone, we've talked about the tampering stuff before, but essentially I think the quote was, you know, he was asked what, if would have changed his opinion, if he knew that the Celtics were going to get Kemba and he said, you know, I don't want to go into the past, but yeah, that would have been different. Um, and so from that standpoint, it's important to point out a few things. Number one, Kemba agreed to terms with the Celtics before Al did with the Sixers, officially anyway. But we, we now know, at least this is how I think it played out, was Al and the Celtics were kind of, when they talked, whatever it was, June 18th before the draft, Kyrie was looking like he was gone. The Celtics didn't know, you know, they had some options on the table, but they couldn't promise anything to Al about the roster at that point. And then that opened the door for Al's agent to kind of test the free agent waters. And Philly dropped down that monster offer 
And I think at that point, probably asked for a verbal commitment being like, we need to know now if you're going to take this because this is going to affect what we do with other moves. And they gave it to him, shut down negotiations with the C's and other teams since that offer was kind of out there. And that screwed the C's. I mean, it was tampering was everywhere. The Celtics obviously did some kind of tampering or feelers with, you know, Kemba since that was rumored beforehand. But the the Celtics clearly thought that they had a, you know, would be able to exclusively negotiate with Horford for a little longer than that. And then that kind of just blew things up on them. And so, and then I think this Al's comment here, Rich, like just tells you that like, yeah, I had committed to Philly far before, so I couldn't even consider the Celtics when they did get Kemba. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's Al wanting to be a man of his word. I mean, he obviously could have, nothing was official. I thought another, another interesting line and bullpet story was, he says, and obviously, you know, I feel like they've always made a point of my age. And I understand that, me being 33 years old. So you get you got a feeling that that must have been a point of emphasis in negotiations of them reminding him, all right, Al, you know, you're not 25 anymore. And and let's be honest, he the last couple of years, I know he's had his moments. He's kind of played like a guy who's getting up there. Um, you're certainly not paying for the best of Al Horford anymore. Um, so I think that that was probably uh, something that could have rubbed him wrong the, way, the wrong way. Uh before in those, I guess, pre-negotiations as he's really trying to figure out what he wants to do next. But um, I don't know. I, I really do feel like the Celtics might end up feeling okay with the way things play out. Maybe. I, I, I would have liked to have Al Horford on this year's team. He's a great player. And watching him, and I know it was against like a some team from China in Philly's preseason home opener, but just watching him in the Sixers jersey with... Simmons and Embiid and Tobias Harris and like Josh Richardson is like a pipsqueak like that team is just like it, it's so huge we know on paper it's huge but watching it actually on the court was just like it was terrifying yeah Richardson's 6'6 six, six. <laughs> it's, it's a scary it's a scary lineup wow that's wild um, but they, they're not not very deep though let's uh let's emphasize that I mean who who is their bench uh, it is uh James Ooh. Ennis and Mike Scott Trey Burke. Right, yeah. I actually, I actually don't, like, hate... Like, I don't like those guys. I don't hate those guys either, like, for this team. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's clearly a shallow bench, but, like, you know, that's... They have... They're very top-heavy in terms of their scores. And, I don't know, like, it's... For me, the situation for the Celtics here and how this played out, and it's... it's You know, you don't really cast the blame here on the Seas. They, you know, kind of... It just goes back again that the damage done with the Kyrie situation in terms of them, again, just losing an asset for nothing and not being able to do anything about it ahead of time. Since obviously, like, when Kyrie committed last preseason, that even as things were going south, I feel like that kind of eliminated any thought to the Celtics, like, dealing him in the season even as things were going wrong. And then that just turn of events created a scenario where again he's out the door and then Al's feels no loyalty to the Celtics now because he just wants to win and get paid and he can do get both of that in Philly and the Celtics weren't able to match it all on both those fronts but I don't know I'll always think Rich like I'll be fascinated I know the price would have been high to get Al and Kemba here because you were probably gonna have to give Brooklyn let's say you know two future first round picks in order to facilitate a sign and trade there but like you know, based on the fact that he went to your top rival here, like, you know, if the Celtics had Al on this team, you know, I think you go toe to toe pretty well with the Bucks, and you're clear cut number two. And um, if the other guys on this team made their progressions, that would have been fascinating to see. We'll never know. I think the long the long bet obviously is right in terms of the the pay, but like, it would have been fascinating to see them go all in more. You know, in the in the near term. Yeah, especially like, you know, and I think, Mike, you've talked about this so much over the last few months that like, again, like with Golden State kind of gone, like there is no clear cut number one team in the NBA anymore. I don't think, you know, I think everything is really up for grabs. But uh, speaking of the Bucks, do we want to move on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, in our text thread preparing for this episode, you know, I brought up uh, an interesting statement that Rich Paul had in a recent ESPN article about Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis's uh, uh, forced trade to the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, what Rich Paul said 
off the cuff, not even asked, was that if Anthony Davis was on last year's Milwaukee Bucks team, that team would have won the championship. And I thought that that was, I mean, it's obviously disrespectful to the, the MVP of the league. Um, I, I don't think it's true either. Um, but I, you know, I just wanted to throw it out there to you guys, you know, as Anthony Davis is someone who we've obviously talked a lot about over the past few years. Do you agree with Rich Paul's, uh, out of nowhere hypothetical? (laughs) For me, it made me realize how much I value Giannis over, over Anthony Davis. I mean, it's not even, it's not even close. Forget, forget the question of like that the Bucks would win the title with Anthony Davis. Like if the Bucks had Anthony Davis, I wonder if they even have home court advantage. Wow! <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just like, I, I, I mean, we have we seen what, what was, what was the, uh, what was the best, the best seed for the, for the Pelicans? I know we're talking East and we're talking West. I just think the things that Giannis does for that team, whether it's just, just taking the ball full court, just being the center of that offense, I don't think Anthony Davis can do it in the same way. And maybe that lets Middleton be a little bit better. Maybe that lets Bledsoe be a little bit better. Maybe it opens the door for some other guys to expand their games a little bit if it's Anthony Davis instead of Giannis. But like, I the one thing I'm very sure of is they wouldn't have been better. Yeah, B. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm back for. I think with Anthony Davis, I'm just like, always the big thing with him is health. Mm. Like Giannis to me is very durable and he's out there um, and he's giving his all um, and he's just, you know, doesn't slow down. And Davis just, you know, I can't, you know, it's seeing Davis go through four rounds of the playoffs without getting injured. I feel like is a long shot um, or even three rounds. So like, I mean, as far as fit perspective, I, I think you can go both ways on that. Obviously Davis is shooting um, is better from the outside and, um, you know, maybe he does. I think each of those guys have their strengths and weaknesses compared comparatively. So there's no clear cut winner. It probably comes down to more fit than anything else. But yeah, I mean these these comments are you know I think that's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're pretty strange, just right. generally speaking. Um, and you talk about the mentality. You know, I think Giannis does have that guy that that mentality of all right, jump on my back, let's do it. And I think that you know Davis will probably be better suited. You know, having LeBron be that guy for another year or two. Oh, and I mean, that's a for sure a good point. And Jared Dudley, who's on the Lakers now, has said that his one of his 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 values in that team is being in the locker room and being able being able to speak to the media when stars don't really want to talk. So, I, I mean, Anthony Davis obviously has never been in a, a limelight situation like he's about to. Uh, be in in LA and it's a real pressure cooker and it'll be interesting to see how he responds I kind of agree with everything both of you guys have said and you know Giannis may leave Milwaukee uh, over the next couple of years in free agency as this is right but I just could never see him strong arming the Milwaukee Bucks to trade him by you know elongating injuries and sitting out games and it's just like I, I, I and being just generally shady on behalf of uh his agency so um couldn't see that happening either uh defensively i think there might be a wash maybe davis is a little bit better actually probably davis is a little bit better defensively um but whatever i i I think it's a little i think the more interesting question is that you know rich paul would obviously never even broach is would the bucks have won it all last year if lebron was on the team instead of Giannis? but I think that's that. That is the more interesting question to me. I was thinking of another twist on on that question: is how much better would the Lakers be if they had Giannis and LeBron as opposed to Anton and uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron? Maybe that would be a little bit different because that, maybe Anthony and LeBron complement each other a little bit better than Giannis and and Bron would. But that would be an interesting combination. Yeah, for sure. Um, should we should we go to the to the Lakers? Do well, do we want to talk about Rich Paul's comments about? The Celtics with AD or oh yeah yeah, yeah sure, sure. Oh, actually yeah. For, real quick let me let me get this in um we'll we'll get the Rich Paul in a second but the football season is in full swing uh, and you can get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partnership uh, or 
exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. Uh, please sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to start betting college and professional football. Uh, every spread, every total, every winner or loser, straight bet parlay or tease your way through the season. Uh, you can also bet on some crazy props like uh, who will be the first NFL head coach to be fired this year. Uh, will the Miami Dolphins win a game? They have a pretty good chance against the Redskins this week. Uh, but get the fastest to market odds, updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to, ju- to join and use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, and what, so, B Rob, what did Rich Paul say? Uh, uh, Mike, I was going to defer to you on this if you have the quote in front of you, but I mean, it was essentially explaining, you know, why he he said it was he, yeah he said it was bad business for the Celtics to trade for Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis there was a zero percent chance he would resign with the Celtics. The, the only teams he would potentially resign with were the Lakers, and he brought up the <laughs> New York Knicks, um, which is very interesting in a it's a whole different conversation um and so i mean i i agree with what rich paul said there is it am I, is there anything else that i'm missing b rob or that's basically the gist of it no i mean i you know and i think he just talking about you know making that clear trying to rich paul being like listen the last thing i want to do is have a team you know give up good prospects and the guy leave um, I don't know if that's the last thing he wants to do, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like that's, well, that's what he exactly, well, that, that's, that's what he said. Like that's like that's him defending. Like, well, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm trying to muddy the water so much because I'm trying to protect these GMs from, you know, making a move that will blow up on them. So I don't know. I mean, there's not. I think this was pretty clear. There wasn't anything, you know, a, any big twist out of these comments. I think um, based on how things went, they succeeded. Obviously. Um, but from, from Danny Age's perspective now, like when you're, you know, building the team from here for long term, you know, just based on how things kind of, you know, blew up on you last year, like what, and these kind of, you know, obviously agents like Rich Paul becoming more open in terms of trying to muddy waters in these types of situations. How do you kind of, what's your strategy now? Like looking ahead, like long term and. Is it more of like okay, we want to got build more young guys that we have control over, obviously in the, the Tatum and Jalen mold, so we can you know minimize these risks and and then work trades where we can protect ourselves more, or do you just f- focus more on guys that like you know just want to play together, or you know whether that's you know like a Tatum Beal situation or whoever else down the line? I don't know. It's it's fascinating to see how like I'm curious to see how just the front office year and kind of around the league kind of adjust to like this kind of mentality yeah well i don't want to step on it here but i interviewed danny last week for a piece that basically touches on this exact subject um so i mean just briefly like to answer your question one of the big things that uh you know danny mentioned and that other gms around the league have told me is that it's obviously a bummer um, and very difficult to construct, you know, to have sustainability with shorter contracts and players always thinking that the grass might be greener somewhere else. But, you know, all you can do is can control, all you can do is control what you can control and have the, the, the culture and the identity and the value system of your organization be one that is appealing to the players that are there. And you have to draft well, you have to, uh, you know, when you make a trade for a free agent, uh, you have to be confident that who you are as an organization aligns with their beliefs and their values. And that's not, I mean, all of that is really easier said than done. It's not, <laughs> it's not like a simple uh, uh, process. And you're also doing it competing against 29 other general managers and organizations. So it's, 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 a, it's a really complicated issue and it's really difficult. And I think it's just getting harder and harder for these guys to do their jobs on a personal level. But you see, but we see that play out in real time. That what happens when you do? Because you know, like you said, B Rob, things. You know, if you want to say blew up, and the Celtics faced that last season. Sure, that happened. But that even with that, they're able to then say, "Hey, Kemba Walker, why don't, why don't you come on board?" And and Kemba's excited to do it. And that's because of the foundation. That's because of the 
you know, just just what, what it means to be a part of the Celtics organization and the way that they run things. And I think as long as they do that, you'll get the the right players will find the, the their way to you, I think, if you can if you can keep that going. And, yeah, and I also don't think there are too many agents like Rich Rich Paul. And maybe it will increase with time. You know, maybe, I'm sure there will be Rich Paul Juniors down the road, but um, so much of his power is just because of his number one client. And you know, without that, without that power in the NBA and outside of the NBA, even uh, it would be hard to anyone for anyone to sort of wield that kind of power like Rich Paul is right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it speaks volumes that the Celtics have signed three, I guess you could say, max free agents in a row. I mean, Horford, well, did they do three? I'm sure. No, not three. Well, three in four years, I guess you could say. Uh, Horford, Hayward, and Kembo is technically a, not technically a free agent signing, but basically. I mean, in effect. Yeah. Um, And those are stand-up guys. Those are the kind of guys that that you're looking for. Yeah, they're also really good. Uh, <laughs> oh, sure, they, right. They're worthy yeah. of the max, or they were yeah. at one point. They right. <coughs> um, I mean, the Kemba, like Kemba, is a good signing. It's a good recovery signing. There wasn't a ton of competition for Kemba. Let's be to be honest here. No, it's. I mean, it's a very deep position. And it's a deep position. Not a lot of. I mean, a, a, a lot of teams did have cap space last summer, but the only. Other one that was, you know, indirect competition, I would say, with the Celtics was the Dallas Mavericks. And you're not, that's a situation where you're not promised a playoff spot, let alone championship contention at any point throughout that contract. So, I mean, the West is just a different animal. So, I mean, it just, it just made a lot of sense to, to go to the Celtics for Kemba. Right. New England roots. Sure. Um, <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about the Lakers. For a few minutes, we have. I, mean, I guess we've talked about them a little bit already. But what are the chances that the Lakers miss the playoffs again? Because I think that it might be a little bit bigger than people are giving it credit for. I mean, the chances is, is pure. What are, what are the chances LeBron or Anthony Davis gets hurt? That's what the chance. Well, it's right. So LeBron's going to have so. to miss a little bit of time again, right? Every yeah. year he takes uh, a few weeks at least off. Recently to sort of gear up for the for the for the playoff run although last year that didn't work out as well uh anthony davis certainly has a track record of not always being able to to be there every night and certainly not to be to to carry the load for an entire season then you just look at the rest of the west i mean uh, oklahoma city is probably the only team that made it last year who is most and they might be decent maybe they can sleep sneak into an a seed but you look at the other teams in that conference they're not going anywhere. I mean, Denver, Portland, Houston, Golden State's still going to make the playoffs, I think. Uh, the Jazz are better. The Spurs are, might be better now that they have their point guard back. Uh, the Clippers are clearly better. And then you got, you know, you mentioned Dallas, Mike. And did you see Chris Dapps last night? I Yes, I did. I have a piece coming out on them tomorrow. They're, Mr. Porzingis looks, they're very interesting. looks pretty good. Um, the, the Kings are going to – and again, like, if – if if the Lakers make the playoffs, then I th- obviously you're going to like the Lakers' chances of potentially making the finals more than the Kings or the Mavericks. But we're talking over the course of an 82-game season, playing against these other teams every single night that we're mentioning. And for, you know, for if, it t- if they have what it takes to make it over the long haul. And that's where you know I think there are some, some real questions. Because, I mean, they're, they're, they're counting a lot on the Celtics' backcourt of 10 years ago. Right? Rondo and Avery. Um they're calling a lot on, on Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. Um, I don't know. It's not going to take a lot for this to go to go really sour with the Lakers. Yeah, so, I mean, to your point, Rich, uh, I'm looking at the 538-2020 um, projections. And the Lakers, I, I, I did not look at this before we started recording, but the Lakers have a 67% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. That's... Uh, which is below, in the West, is below the Dallas Mavericks, Ooh. the Clippers, the Jazz, the Warriors, the Nuggets, and the Rockets. So Interesting, the Mavs. Uh, Mavs are, I don't I guess the analytics love them for some reason. I, I, I love the Mavs too, but I think they're going to just shoot a ton of threes and they have a lot better three-point shooters this year. But um, so, I mean, when you first 
asked us to think about this question, I thought it was probably like a 99% chance in my head that the Lakers would make the playoffs at least, just because I personally think LeBron is going to just dump truck the whole <laughs> NBA this season. I think he's rested. He's just I, he's just going to be on one all season long trying to... I mean, he hasn't really been motivated in the same way that he's ever been before, and this could be his last real year of his of the tail end of his prime, uh, where he is, uh, you know, trying to reassert himself as the preeminent player in the whole world. Uh, so he has a lot to play for personally, and then you add AD, who is who could be the best player in the league this season. That's just it, he's a ridiculous talent. Um, I don't like the 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 Giannis question is just a weird hypothetical that kind of. I mean that team was built around Giannis, um, so it's it's a it, it's a it, it degrades him a little bit. But just talent wise, he's historically great. Like he's he should be an MVP candidate every season for the next like five or six seasons. He's there's a reason why the Celtics like really were after him desperately for 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 years, and other teams were too. He's he's ridiculous, but I do think that there are some fit issues with this team. Um, and they don't really have a lot of trade assets either to improve in the event that it's not really working out. I mean, they'll have to ship out Kyle Kuzma, who is a fan, like the the, the most popular player in the NBA all of a sudden for some reason. I don't really understand that at mm-hmm. all. But um, Is he the longest tenured Laker at this point? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. I'm looking at the roster. I think he might be. He's got to be. He, when was Caruso or KCP maybe? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Is yeah. this his, his third year or fourth year? This will be his third year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Lakers. Um, I, I I think that like I don't really know who's gonna close for them. Like that the five that close will be very interesting. Uh, if Avery Bradley looks really good, then that gives them a different dimension and I guess Avery Bradley and Danny Green are like the same, and, and KCP are like all the same player, which is pretty funny. And I, like I don't, I don't know. Like maybe Dwight is good, probably not. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I, yeah, I, I haven't seen him. Does he look like he's back on the on the juice? He destroyed someone today with a a, a, a high screen, like absolutely. I think it was Torian Prince in China. He just like leveled him. I think he was given a flagrant foul, but um, that's the. Got... Sorry, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, no, that's just like what. I, I like that's basically my expectation for him this year to like hurt people. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't know, but maybe he's better than he was. I mean, maybe he's healthy, like which is a, a huge step in the right direction for him. But like the boogie injury is is bad, obviously, and all the boogie the boogie situation. Um, and I mean, the lop the the roster is just like really lopsided in the backcourt. It doesn't make a ton of sense. And speaking of not making a ton of sense, Frank Vogel as the head coach there just still doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. I don't. I think he's in for for a long season with with Jason Kidd plotting behind the scenes. I'm sure the entire time. Um, but yeah, so wait, we, none of us would be surprised if if the Lakers make the playoffs, obviously. But there's a there are a lot of uh, you lot of miss the traps. playoffs. I, I, no, I, I mean, we, I, we're not. I'm not saying that I think the Lakers are going to miss the playoffs. You know, okay. I think that, what, yeah. what percentage chance do you give them of missing the playoffs, Rich? Uh, I, I will give them a 66 percent chance of making the playoffs. I'm just going to go with Nate Silver on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sounds familiar. I'm still going like 95. I'll because go. you know what's really interesting is um, the chance of making the finals. The only three teams are higher, so they're like near the 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 middle of their conference for just making the playoffs. But then it's like once you have a player like LeBron and AD on your team, so they have an eighteen percent chance of making the finals, which only the Bucks, Rockets, and Sixers, um, two teams in the East, obviously, are higher. So it's it's uh, it's interesting. B Rob, what what is your percentage? Yeah, so I'll calculate. I'll say 10% chance of LeBron or AD having a significant injury. And so I'll say 90% chance that they make the playoffs. 90%. Who do, who do you think they can – who's the guy that they can least afford to lose? Is it definitely LeBron? Oh, uh, it, yeah. Definitely. Or Ronda. <laughs> I mean, LeBron, just based on – I guess you assume, like – because it's like, yeah, AD's had his own team before, and we've seen what's happened there. 
So, like, I'd take some of the Pelicans supporting cast over the Lakers supporting cast without LeBron. So, like, yeah, I mean, I mean just tells the story there. Yeah, LeBron goes down, and then Anthony Davis is leading a worse team than he had in New right. Orleans. Right. Very quickly. I mean, that would be so fat. Like, if that happens, and then, like, things do blow up, and, you know, they make the playoffs or, I mean, miss the playoffs or get out, get their ass kicked in the first round or something like that. Like, oh, he'll maybe, walk. Yeah, I can't right, wait for him to walk. I right. really can't. I, yeah. I want. I want to write this column. I'm waiting. For, I'm like six weeks away from writing this column, where it's like AD is going to go to the Knicks, or AD like he's going to go somewhere else in free agency. That's just the NBA that we're in right now. I love it. Yeah, that'll and, be uh, fascinating. Before we move on, the last thing is, uh, P and I, I know you said that you know you think LeBron is like this is his last chance to establish himself as the best guy, and he's got the motivation that maybe he hadn't had the last year or so, but. I kind of feel like he's already given himself an out in L.A. I don't know. I think he's already made peace with his NBA career. I don't think he needs to win a title with the Lakers to to fulfill anything in a broader sense for himself or his career. I, I, I don't disagree. You're saying a couple of things there. I don't disagree that he needs to win an, a title in L.A. to do anything in terms of his legacy and just his stature and NBA history. I also think that he is motivated to win another one. I, it's just like I, I don't know what I'm basing that off of, but yeah. it's just really tough for me to come to, to terms with a guy like him. Who I mean, he did everything he could to get AD there for a reason. He could have just not done all this, <laughs> not not sabotaged the Pelican season huh. uh, because he was the one who was making the public comments in the first place to ESPN last last year. I was there in the Brooklyn Nets locker room when he did it. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he clearly wants to play with talented players and win another championship, and getting AD was a big part of that. So I think he is motivated to win it all. All right. Um, so we're talking about a pair of number one overall picks with LeBron and, and, and the Brow. Uh, I want to talk about a guy, a former number one overall pick in the Eastern Conference now. Uh, is there any chance Markel Fultz is good? I think I, I think there is. I'm gonna I say need you, that, I need you to define good. Yeah, like what's good. Well, okay. Like, is there a chance that he's gonna have an NBA career? I, I think that I think that he. <laughs> I think yes. That, yeah. I, well, I mean, that, like last year at this time, you would wonder that maybe if the guy the guy couldn't even shoot the ball. Um, but is he gonna be a an an actual consistent and valuable contributor to the Orlando Magic this year? Because you get, I mean, the Magic. I, I would be surprised if the Magic fall out of the playoffs. I think they'll probably be back in the playoffs. And is Markel Fultz a guy that you're going to have to worry about now when you play the Orlando Magic? Uh, I'm not worrying about him. I think you're happy <laughs> that he's on that <laughs> I, I think, like, I mean, the fact, first of all, the fact that the Magic picked up his team option for next year, which is, I think, like 11 or $12 million, something like that, is absolutely. Well, but I guess that's, again, from a, from a psyche perspective. Have you seen the, cl- the clips from pre- the preseason, though? I have. Um, he looks good. He, he looks. Yeah, I he mean, looks like, like he did in college. I'm. I'm. I'm being serious. Like he's. He. No, like he's gonna be. He's gonna play 15 or 20 minutes off a bench a night for them, and I think be serviceable. So like, is it like a Sebastian Telfair sort of thing where he might? Yeah. So you don't. But, you, but the, the idea of of him being the number one overall pick of him being an NBA star has that ship sail in your mind? I mean, never say never, but I would put it in like the single digits percentage wise of that ever, you know, hap- of him being like a, you know, a star caliber player in this league. I wouldn't, like? I wouldn't bet any money that he'd make an all star team. Like if no. you're over under point five, I'm like that's a hard under for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has not made a three in pre in the preseason yet. Uh, his shot form is still really garbage and. I mean, athletically, he looks he looks good. Like he can dribble, and he's had some dunks, and he's he's a, a frisky. Like his body's still as appealing as it was when they drafted him, and he was you know this is a, a James Harden two point type of body. Um, I don't I don't know. It'll be really interesting because I think Orlando's whole thing is going to be defense this year. That's what's going to take them to the playoffs and their length and their size and just how Steve Clifford coaches and the identity he wants them to have. That's a huge part of everything. So he'll have to be really good on the defensive end. And look, they need shooting and they need more offensive spark plugs. So I don't really know how he fits in, to be honest. Um, 
if he's able to score and create his own shot, create for others, uh, I just think the three point shooting is still such a ridiculous like quagmire. Like it's just it's not fixed, and I wonder how much you know if you believe that it was always a mental thing. How much like what is the, what are the chances of it popping up again in the middle of the season or a month into the season? And I, I don't know. I'm just I'm not optimistic about Markel Fultz, but I am optimistic about the Orlando Magic. Uh, two two of my friends have a have a side bet on the season of who will have a better three point percentage this year: Ben Simmons or Markel Fultz. Hmm. I'll go with Markel there. I, I asked I asked someone this exact question. Really? Uh, like a couple of weeks ago, yeah, and we had a debate about it. What's that? But it, it, it was it was who will make more threes this year, and I said Fultz, and I still think that even though Ben Simmons made that three in the preseason game, did you guys see that three? Yeah, of course. I, I mean, it's like he never made a it three was, in his like life, like period in practice or anything like that. But it was <laughs> also it was also like. Like I just I was at a movie when that game was going on, and so I, I saw on Twitter like he made a three, and I was like, oh wow! And then I saw the the replay, and it was like he's dribbling the ball, the clock out of the first half. His teammates are like literally yelling at him to shoot. Like you could right. look at Embiid, who's just like, dude, like his hands are up. He's like, shoot, mm. shoot the three. Mm. So it's like in an NBA game, if he needs that in a preseason game, that's completely meaningless. If he needs that type of co- like coaxing to shoot a three like i don't i don't know i i just i i don't see him like free like being a uh like being super confident with that shot that's um, gonna be the launching pad mike that one sequence that's gonna be now he's gonna be able to shoot it without hesitation well remember when the crowd reacted that way to faults and then everything was solved so right, exactly yeah um yeah that it's a fun that's a fun bet though for the your both of you guys have or your buddies have rich yeah, but you see, but you see the shots of Simmons, like, in, and not only that shot, but they've they've been him in practice or just sort of messing around and shooting, and the shot doesn't look horrible. Whereas you know with Fultz, it's still like that, like Charles Barkley's golf swing in a sense. So like, I think that like with Simmons, like, there's a chance that maybe he hits a hundred this year. It's just a matter if he actually wants to take them. You know. Well, I'll be curious to see where they are. They going to put him in the corner to take them. That's another like thing. Where the Sixers are going to do with him, right? Because you got him, and every time Embiid shoots a three, that's a victory. I mean, who knows what? He's, maybe he worked on a shot a bunch this year. I guess we'll see. But you know, uh, Richardson, Tobias, you know, they're they're both decent three point shooters. Al is all right, but that's no, a, I mean, Al's good. Like he's going to get great looks there, right? Well, that's the thing too. He'll get a lot of wide open shots, but that's a spot where uh, the Sixers don't have the shooters that you talk about. Dallas and all the shooters they have. The Sixers don't have great shooters this year. We'll see how that works out. Um, let's, let's finish things off with the last question. Does that sound fun to you guys? Beautiful. Okay. So here's my question. I think we can all – I mean, we'll, we'll see. Right now, if we had a gun, gun to our heads, we'd probably say that the Celtics are not title contenders right now. Who knows what can happen, right? Um, but let's assume for now that the Celtics are not title contenders. Is there one deal out there, one realistic deal, that you think that they could make that would turn them into – a bona fide 2020 title contender. And I'm going to send it to Michael Pina first. So, yeah, this is a tough question. I gave it a lot of thought. And, I mean, I guess we should first look at what the Celtics would need. I mean, the biggest question mark right now on the roster is obviously the five position and rebounding and rim protection and just, you know, physical a physical body in the interior. Uh, so those were the types of players I was looking at uh, in terms of guys who could help put them to the next level or help lift them to the next level. And I, I also think that um, they need a, potentially another ball handler. Uh, we talked a little bit about that, but the backup point guard position, even though you, you figure some of the wings will be handling the ball a ton, there's just it's it it's a steep drop off I think um, you know assuming that it goes Kemba and then maybe Marcus Smart is the backup point guard but you know there will be injuries and blah 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 so I looked at those two areas and I was trying to figure out what the overlap was on the roster already that would they would be willing to trade and so this might not be a 
a, a, I think you guys, this is pretty contentious, let's just say. But here's my my hypothetical trade. Uh, The Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it is Gordon Hayward for Tristan Thompson and Brandon Knight. (laughs) (laughs) what's what's tristan making this year like 18 i take b-rub's laughter as you he's 100 percent in agreement on this one i was waiting for the kevin love to come in that deal but yeah i did not expect the brandon knight twist Brandon Knight, uh, he's like he's on a voyage to play for every NBA team. I mean, that's... I do think Tristan is an interesting. I mean, it's too bad he's making eighteen point five because that is a, as far as a you know, fit the need of what the Celtics could use down low, um, and not take shots away from anyone else. Right. He's a perfect fit. He's a good fit there. With DeAndre Jordan light. Oh, I guess DeAndre Jordan plus with the contract. But but Brad, but, I mean that's a to me that's a, a strong. Like, if Gordon Hayward is anything... I guess if, if it's Gordon Hayward of last year or he just doesn't, you know, have it anymore, um, then, like, yeah, like, okay, that's still a step sideways for me. Um, but, I, yeah, but I, I get it from a, just a fit perspective for, like, making the lineup, you know, essentially just clearing out the wing for Jalen and tatum more and obviously getting a guy down low that you yeah i think my the the hypothetical like the caveat here would be that tatum has made an obvious step forward and he needs as many shots as possible like it's just it it, it like getting rid of gordon would say more about the rise of jalen and tatum in particular than anything that has to do with gordon himself just because he's so expensive and i don't know if it, it just makes sense i think i think it would be a slight upgrade um, I'm maybe the last person in the universe who thinks that Brandon Knight can be uh, salvaged, <laughs> obviously. Uh, and I am also attracted by the fact that um, that uh, you know both guys are on expiring contracts. So, it's... I mean, the sad part of that deal, Mike, Cleveland might say no. Well, I, I, I yeah, <laughs> I, I actually had an asterisk on it that I didn't want to say right away because I knew that what I already said would get poo-pooed, but the Celtics would throw in a draft <laughs> asset <laughs> for it to make any sense. Please write an article on this, suggesting this, Mike, just through the reaction. Please burn the recording of this podcast. Um, B-Rob, do you have a... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think we should stop there, Rich. I think we just did. I think that's our. Well, I'll throw, I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw mine. My, I, I had Gordon going out as well, and and under the same assumption that Tatum makes the kind of leap that you you just gotta kind of clear out that space for him. But instead of the almighty Tristan Thompson, I'm gonna make a play and send Gordon. It's it, geographically it's not that far, but I'm gonna send Gordon to Detroit and bring mm. Mr. Blake Griffin mm-hmm. into town. And I know mm. that doesn't really that doesn't really fulfill the rim protection that that we're looking for. Um, but he's the kind of guy that I think can can maybe put the Celtics over the top in the current state of uh, current state of things, and at least certainly the Eastern Conference. Can I actually, um, after B. Rob goes, I actually have a more serious one that's that I think is better. Um, but continue. Hey, you can't you can't discount the uh, the championship experience of Tristan Thompson. I opened the wrong <laughs> I opened the wrong Google Doc when I gave that answer, so I have another uh, I have another one ready to go. Is that your I, huh? first uh, Google Doc? Ex- that you ex- up? Bingo! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so Blake Griffin, I, I would I would do that. The contracts match up. The uh, uh, I told you, I, I've mentioned this before. I just think he's at the point in his career where he's ready to make every sacrifice. That especially after a few years in Detroit uh, or year and change uh he's ready to make all the sacrifices he needs to 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 play for a championship and compete and i think that that's a perfect perfect mix with with what the Celtics have right now yeah it's uh if you look around the league right now in terms of realistic impact guys um that could be acquired this year like blake was probably like in the top three on this list i feel like because things, I mean, Detroit, you look at that roster, they're not going anywhere. I know they brought Blake in to be the face of it, but, like, they're over budget. They added, what, Derrick Rose this offseason? Like, Dude, Derrick yeah. Rose and Luke Kennard coming off the bench. Look out. Huh. I mean, yeah. Well, so, you just, yeah, like, in terms of a, I would, 
Blake on this team with Tatum, with Kemba, like that that's a team with some real firepower on offense. And if I don't know, if like, you know, if Vincent mm. Poirier like comes in and like actually can play like serviceable center, um, for twenty minutes a night against true bigs, which may or may not happen, um, then yeah, that would be intriguing. That's like as far as you know, that's a lot Blake's overpaid and stuff, but he He's been doing it all for that team in Detroit. I think, like, last year is arguably one of his best seasons in his career. It was, it was, because yeah. Because, like, that team is just trash otherwise. So um, that will be an f- interesting door to knock on for the season. The other, the other name, since, since, since that was going to be mine, um, other long-term in- guy that the Celtics have had interest in the past that will definitely be available Um Gallo. I don't think he's going to make them a contender, like, if you go after a guy like that, but he's clearly going to be auctioned off somewhere. Um, he's 31. The fit on this team is very good from a just a, you know, you can have him play stretch for um, a knockdown shooter. I mean, you're not going to give up anything for him beyond just, like, a mixed match of expiring contracts and, you know, a first-round pick. Even that might be too much, but That'd be a, I'd be a fun guy I'd want to see. I don't think he makes him a contender, but I think it'd be a fun guy on the, this roster. I feel like Gallo will, if they do decide to shop him and they're 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 really bad and they have no chance of getting the eight seed, which I think they should fight for. Um, I think that you know opening it up to, uh, like putting him on the trade market, I think there could be a real bidding war there. So I, I think oh, yeah. you would have to give up. Not, I mean, not a ton, but I, I would think he's going to net a first round pick. Even. Yeah, you're definitely give up a first round pick with like exp- in like bad expiring contracts, like you know, Cantor and um, or just not expendable expiring contracts, I should say. Yeah. Okay. Can I give my real one now? Yes. Sure. <laughs> take two. Okay. Um, even though I think the first one would work. Just kidding. You were, um, you, you were almost out. You had it. You jumped back <laughs> in for some reason. Okay. Um. Okay, so this the, the the new trade is with the New Orleans Pelicans, mm. and it is uh, Gordon Hayward and Boston's Milwaukee Bucks pick that they own in 2020, which is got a lot of weird protections on it, and then becomes unprotected in 2021. For Derek Favors, my favorite player. And this is where I got a little... This is why I went to the Cleveland one, because I couldn't actually get the last player here. It's There's between two, and I'm not sure which one's more realistic or necessary. Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. Hmm. So you'd pick one of those guys. Oh, so plus Derek... Yeah, just one of them. Plus favors for Hayward and the Bucks first. Why are... Are you assuming Hayward has a good season? Like he's his values on the way up here. I think, I think the Pelicans clearly want to be competitive now, and Hayward is good, but at the same time, they may, you know, I think asset accumulation. They're still in the business of that, and assuming that this trade is made when they are not necessarily, you know, if they, I don't think they do this trade if they're like in the six seed at the trade deadline, but. Moving favors and opening up, you know, they're obviously very crowded in the front court. They have Zion, who can play just about any position. They have uh, Jackson Hayes, who they just drafted. So I think opening it up a little bit in the front court makes a lot of sense for them as well. Um, so I think that would be their logic there. And then with, I, I, I initially have Brandon Ingram as the guy, just because I don't know if that's someone that they're going to be willing to commit long term to. Um, so I'd put him in over Lonzo. I think Lonzo is an easier fit in just about any destination. And I think he could have a really long, good career, uh, with Zion. That makes sense. Uh, assuming that his jumper works. Um, but yeah, so what, I mean, what do you guys just generally think about, uh, first of all, which, which one do you think is more, uh, makes more sense here? Ingram or, or, uh, ball for both sides. I think Ingram is definitely uh, more realistic. Yeah, I think I agree. Because just looking at looking at the rosters, he doesn't fit, and then the Lonzo Zion connection that just seems to be something that the Pelicans are going to want to run with and build around, whether it's for just you know publicity or just you know selling tickets. Um, 
and, and Lonzo's actually pretty good this year. I mean, he looks the shot looks a lot better. But I, I think for for what makes more sense for the Celtics, yeah, I mean, because you're so you're getting rid of Hayward, so now you have Ingram and Tatum, and and his, and Favors is I don't love Favors. I know you said was that a pun when you said he's your favorite player or no? I love Derek Favors. <laughs> um, Derek Favors. First of all, I mean, you put him at the five. He's he's probably I I again I looked at you know, every pseudo available five, which I thought was like critical for this exercise. Um, and I actually didn't even look at Blake Griffin, but I don't think he's a five, but on that level, what uh, about Drummond? I'm not, I just don't No, I don't think Andre Drummond makes your basketball team better. This, um, what about the Celtics? You got taco. You might as well put, you got taco playing here. <laughs> but, like you're not, you're not getting Drummond in, but you, you think that, that Ingram and favors would potentially make them a contender before just adding Andre Drummond would. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I mean, I think Favors is like a better basketball player than Andre Drummond. Straight up. Really. Here. Here's my problem, though. Or here's I think the Celtics' problem. Hayward, like, unless Hayward looks good, in which case I think the Celtics trend towards keeping him. That thirty-two, thirty-three million dollar option for next year, I think would even make a deal like you described, Mike. Here, like the Pelicans, the ball cat, because. He's picking up that option, and that's like that eats up pretty much all their cap space for the Pelicans. And even if they want to win now, like you can probably odds are you can probably do better with thirty three million dollars next year um, than just Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I mean, I think the logic there or the calculus there would be: what assets are you getting? into that cap space like what what dumb contract are you taking um in a trade to get because i don't you're not really signing anybody i'm sorry that i just don't see anyone signing with the pelicans after one year but maybe i don't know zion might look maybe yeah maybe they're tremendous and they're very attractive but i i don't i don't i i personally don't see that happening um with a an actual difference maker especially in the market in a market that's like you know there's just not a lot of really good free agents um this summer maybe but, but. i don't think there's a lot of good teams of cap room though too you know right so but a- any team that is willing to you know dump bad salary um and be a dumping ground are you going to get a pick that is better than the bucks pick or even if the celtics say we'll give you our own first um which i don't know if i doubt that that would i mean that would be probably a better pick um yeah, I mean, it definitely will be a better pick than the Bucks. Well, right, but yeah, the 2021 unprotected—you just you never know. But um, but yeah, so so yeah, I mean, I I I think I'm I like it more than you guys because I'm just higher on favors and his fit with the Celtics, and I have been for a really long time. I, I, he's just a defensive-minded big no, no, who I mean, can play like in crunch time. Who who when he was on the floor without Gobert in Utah, those teams were really good and. I don't know. You can do a lot of things with Derek Favors, and I think he's just – he can't shoot threes, but he's he can shoot, like, 18-footers if you need him to. I mean, he's a, I think he's a really good big, and you need someone who's going to be able to really, uh, you know, bother a Giannis and bother a Embiid at some point if you want to be a true title contender. I'm very much high on him. Like, I just – I don't think the Pelicans would go for it. That's my more my concern. I think Favors is a great target this year if the Pelicans fall out of it. Because, again, you can get those bird rights, and that's a guy you can probably sign for cheap even when he comes up because, you know, just based on cap space. Um, I just don't think the Pelicans would – you hope they would go for it. You hope Hayward plays well enough where they are like, all right, you know, we want him to fortify our wing with, you know, Holiday and, and Zion uh, around him. But um, – I just again that contract. I think it's just going to scare teams away. Yeah, it's tough to find. It's tough to work a deal um, with the Celtics contracts to get that. I mean, he's making seventeen this year. It's just tough to work it without including Marcus Smart or anyone that you really value. Um, so, uh, fun ideas though. I like that. I like this is again. This will be as opposed to past years. I think we can safely say that this year. The Celtics are going to be, I don't know, busy on the trade front, but like, though they they're going to be having a lot of different conversations, especially after December fifteenth when all their the guys they signed are eligibly moved. Um, a lot of different balls in the air with 
in terms of planning short-term and long-term of this group. But I think that will we'll put a bow on it there for this edition of the Winning Plays podcast. Uh, we'll be back with you guys next week. going to be a pretty busy weekend for the Celts with uh, preseason games on Friday and Sunday. Um, so we'll actually have some more basketball to talk about for a change. And um, see, we'll at that point get a better indication of how this rotation is going to plan out. And that 15th roster spot battle, we didn't talk about it today, guys, but, um, <laughs> you know, Javante Green, Taco Fall, head-to-head. Yeah, we should at least mention Taco's name so that we can put him in, like, the keywords. Yes. Maybe hit, get a couple be. Google hits. <laughs> <laughs> Will Taco Fall make Southern's roster? That's going to be our podcast title. And a quick quick shout-out to Marcus Morris for getting ejected in his first game as a Nick for hitting his opponent in the head with the ball. Just want to mention that as well. That was pretty funny. Gonna miss him. All right, we'll uh, we'll be back with you guys next week.